Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 24th, 2021. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I'm excited because if you think about the next couple weeks, it's going to be just really difficult for me because there's been a lot of texts, but I think it's also a really fun time of year for reform people. You have the Reformation Sundays coming up here the next couple weeks. Plus, then you have All Saints coming after that. And for those of you who haven't been around as long, I typically try going through all those texts. So it's a lot of things to be going through, but it's a lot of fun. And especially as we're slowly putting a a bow tie here and just kind of wrapping up Mark and moving into Luke, it's going to be just kind of an interesting and fun time. I think it's been a really good year kind of going through Mark and contemplating this, and especially as we're reading these texts in a period where we've been going through a lot as a world, I think it's an interesting time to be going through that. So let's reflect a little bit on the Twitter question we had for you last week. And the Twitter question I had is, when have you sat with the question and pondered it for an extended period of time? It kind of brings up this whole idea of, do we actually spend the time to form an opinion? There are times, especially within the culture that we're in at this time, of we feel like we have to have fast opinions on different questions. And I feel like at, there are certain things that I will ponder and spend an extended period of time that really don't matter that much. But then there's also things that really do have an impact, and I would argue even myself, that I don't think I spend enough time pondering in them and thinking about them. And especially like when you get a handy person, they do spend a little bit of time really going through and pondering and how are they going to get this to work, and it really gets into the field in which you're in. But I think it also reflects on within our own opinions, how often are we actually spending the time to contemplate and consider things? And I think that's a valid question in and of itself that we probably should do a little bit more contemplation of. So let's just jump into it this week. The semi-continuous Old Testament text is from Job chapter 42 verses 1 to 6 and 10 to 17. This wraps up four weeks in a row that we have had Job. And this section, chapter 42, almost makes it appear with different clues here that there has been a passage of time, especially since the beginning of Job. Because especially when you're looking at verse 13, he's mentioning his sons and daughters, which As many of us know, sons and daughters don't just happen. So this is something that now you're getting Job reflecting on what has happened. God last week kind of taking Job's question of where are you and putting it on its head of you've had answers that I then can ask you of where were you at the beginning of creation? Where were you at the dawn of time? Where were you? I was here. There's certain questions that you just might not understand. And in Job here in chapter 42 is acknowledging that and acknowledging how God has continued to persevere and work through this, even when things were dark and were of despair, were difficult for him. The psalm that ties with that is Psalm 34, verses 1 to 8, and optionally 19 to 22. 
This is a psalm then trying to recognize how even in our times of fear, even in this times when we are ashamed of ourselves, that we should be trying to have our soul magnify God, that we're we're not beyond repair, that this is something that God is within us and wants to redeem us and work with us and to thus shed forth through us. So even as we stumble, even as we fall at certain times, that God still wants to be there with us working through the tough stuff. The alternative Old Testament text then is from Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 7 to 9. And I would recommend this week looking at the commentary from Working Preacher. I'll attach the link down below. And I found it really, really interesting this week that this is coming from a section in Jeremiah that they call the Book of Consolations, kind of figuratively, that it kind of has a little bit of a different tone versus the rest of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah typically is a little bit of a warning book and it can give almost a depressing tone. This is talking about restoration of Israel and how the people are waiting for anticipation for God to come in and restore and save the remnant of Israel coming from the end of verse 7, and that it's going to be something that is worth waiting for, but it's also going to be hard to do. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 126, and this keeps on that restoration phase where God has restored before and that God plans to restore the people of Israel and restore the joy that can come from this. This is talking about, and again, in times where you've had the destruction of Jerusalem and things of that nature, where there's still joy in this, that God still works through this. And as that restoration comes, there will be joy coming after the sorrow, that the restoration of God coming in to make new is something worth celebrating. The New Testament text is from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. This continues on that theme of talking about how Christ came in as a priest and is working with that on how now we have this priesthood that lasts forever, that this blameless high king priest is here and our sins have been taken care of. We don't have to be doing sacrifices day after day after day, but it's also that we're trying to follow someone who did it perfectly and understanding that there's times of acknowledgement in that, but that the son has come to anoint his people in a way to continue this and continue this walking out the faith. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. I also think that there is an important thing here that we need to reference before we even get to that, is looking back at what was stated by Jesus at the end of last week's text. And that Jesus is coming Whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the end of last week's text. Now we're taking, the disciples are continuing, and this is the last miracle that we have before Jesus goes and has Mark's version of Palm Sunday entering Jerusalem. And there's this blind man, Bartimaeus, on the side of the road. And he's crying out to Jesus. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The only time that that he is Jesus's reference this way in Mark's gospel. And the crowd is trying to quiet him down, but he continues. And Jesus stood still and said, call him here. They called the blind man, take heart, get up, for he is calling you. So Jesus is calling this man. He throws off his cloak and sprang up and ran to Jesus. Jesus then is asking, what do you want? And the blind man, Bartimaeus, responds with, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. And an important part here, immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way, which is different than the typical text out of Mark. There's been all of this about go and tell others or stay here or don't follow me. And yet Bartimaeus here gets to follow at the end of the text. I think this is also something worth referencing back to the beginning of chapter 8, the first miracle that Jesus has, which is a two-phase healing, the healing of another blind man, first to be able to have his eyes opened and then to be able to understand what he's seeing. Here, there is no touch that is mentioned. It is that your faith has made you well immediately. So, some interesting contrast here, kind of contrasting the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the end of Jesus' ministry, as Jesus then is walking into Jerusalem to be crucified. But he doesn't know that yet, but he's predicted it three times. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I love checking out these texts. Like I talked about, I already looked at one of their commentaries this last week to be able to help me interpret some of the Jeremiah texts, and it's something that I use on a weekly basis, along with their Working Preacher podcast and the many, many resources that are over there. But I'd also recommend highly checking out the lectionary from the library at vanderbilt.edu, such a great place to be able to look at these texts all in one spot, but I really also enjoy having the art from around the world and then are working with these texts to be able to help me understand creatively how have other people interpreted these texts. So if you haven't checked out the library from vanderbilt.edu or checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. I want you to spend a moment and think about something. So the reason that I bring up the text from last week is I really wonder how strong is the faith of Bartimaeus. When Jesus is saying that he's coming to serve, but not to be served, to give a ransom for many, and that whoever wishes to be first must be a slave to all. I wonder if Bartimaeus, as he is a blind man on the side of the road, hears these words and it's like, well, that's enough for me to give this a try. And when we're looking at this, it's not, it doesn't say that he is, he shouts it out, but it doesn't state how confident is that shout. Is it a loud shout or is it a shout out of desperation? Is it a shout out of, I'm going to give this a go and if this doesn't work, I'll try a few times, see if I can get his attention. We know these different shouts. Look at people trying to get different people who they look up to's attention. We know these different types of shouts. And what is amazing to me here is the restoration that does happen. Not only with Bartimaeus, but when you look through these texts, that here we have Jesus coming in Hebrews and talking about the restoration then of how he's the perfect high priest, that there won't be another high priest after him because this is the way that it was supposed to be and it continues to help us walk our faith out. 
the restoration of Zion and how, yes, there is difficult times, but in that restoration, fruit comes. Jeremiah giving us that, yes, what the restoration of Israel can look like. Job giving us again the restoration. It took time, but yes, the restoration and the blessing that comes and finishing out that Job dies of old age. One of the most unclimatic sections of text at the very end of Job. Restoration takes time and it's hard. And the thing is, is the science on this is still very new, but is showing that same process. I'll attach the links down below, but a study from Yale University School of Forestry and Environmental Science conducted that ecosystems are quite resilient and can regrow after natural catastrophe. In general, forest ecosystems take around 42 years to recover, where it only takes 10 years for ocean areas to restore. The main reason is that animals and organisms that live in aquatic systems turn over more rapidly than a forest ecosystem. This coming from Sustainability Lifestyle Consultant. But I found that really interesting. And when I was looking at this further and digging into this further, coming from the Royal Society's publishing, there's an article talking about restoration and repair of Earth's damaged ecosystems coming from February 28th, 2018, where it talks about even in the abstract where whenever we do conservation and we're trying to restore a habitat, we can't fully restore it. There's going to be some type of damage that we aren't able to restore. And that in ways there will be scars forever from the damage that happened, like a memory of something like that happening. I think about Yellowstone and its major fire that it had in 1988. That hasn't been 40 years yet. Yellowstone hasn't recovered. And to put that in the context, that fire was before I was even born is mind-boggling. It takes time. And remember, when we're talking about especially forest ecosystems here, 42 years, how long it takes for the trees to develop, and that's then waiting for everything to be able to come back. Yes, things come back faster, but the ecosystem hasn't fully recovered. And yes, there are things that even as it says here in this article from the Royal Society, active restoration did not result in faster or more complete recovery than simply ending the disturbances ecosystems face. Our results on the added benefit of restoration must be interpreted cautiously because few studies directly compare different restoration actions in the same location after the same disturbance. AKA, there's very little research talking about this, and it's something that they're developing, but also the point of, yes, we can go in and help, but there's also a point where we need to step back. We have to let nature do its thing and realize that this is going to take time. We have talked about that humans struggle with change, but this is also something that humans struggle with is on the flip side of this coin, time. Because Time in God's eyes and time in our eyes is very different. 42 years is half a human lifetime. If we're expecting that the average age is around 80 years old, that's about half a lifetime for an ecosystem to restore. But we have to remember our lifetime in God's eyes is a blink. So in that phrase, restoration is in half a blink. 
for a forest ecosystem. I do find it interesting here on how Bartimaeus is acting here. First, he throws aside his cloak, which would have been very valuable because it's something that keeps him warm at night as he's probably on the side of the road. And it's one of the probably the few possessions that he has. He's throwing that aside when he's called to come. All he's asking for is to just be able to see again. And immediately when that happens, the curiosity of what has happened, I would assume, drives Bartimaeus to continue to follow Jesus to Jerusalem, where we know things will happen. And this is the only time we hear about what happens to Bartimaeus. We do not know the continued story of what happens with Bartimaeus. What was that restoration like? How long was Bartimaeus blind? How long did it take Bartimaeus to adjust to this new life? Were there things that Bartimaeus struggled with because of the adjustment that now happened so quickly? These are all questions that, unfortunately, we don't have the answers to here in Mark. But that's where I really do like having the semi-continuous text here coming from Job, kind of reminding us how things can take time and we see the blessings of what the Lord did for Job here in the end of his life, blessing him with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a thousand donkeys and then having sons and daughters and listing off the names of his daughters which is interesting but job reassuring that through all the tribulation that he has gone through in the first part of this book what we've been working through still he sees the restoration of what god was doing in his own life This letter coming out of Jeremiah of reminder that God is still working even when we can't see it for the restoration of Israel. This celebration that will come from this. I think this is something to contemplate deeply. As we are heading into things where we're having the science talking to us about how we are getting to a point of forever changing our climate, I think the question we should be asking first is, haven't we already? Are there things that our grandparents talk about that now cannot happen? Me being in northern Minnesota now, this used to be moose country. And if you have followed the moose population in northern Minnesota, this area has struggled to have moose now. And part of it's because of climate change and a lot of different factors. But things are changing. And the environment, is it able to keep up? One of the other things that I was gifted the opportunity was the year after I worked at a state park called St. Croix State Park in eastern Minnesota. And it was the year after they had a major blowdown. I'll see if I can find some newspaper articles talking about it. And there were parts of that park that next summer that I was there that looked alien. We were going through and having different logging companies come in to take out the down debris in the areas that they could to try to, again, help stimulate the growth along with that then you're providing industry. But there were definitely other parts of the park where we couldn't get to as easily. So you just let the forest do what forests do. But I remember walking out of there like people talking to me that next summer on how different the park was. But also me kind of thinking about this can be a great case example of how long it takes for something to turn over. 
And there were parts of that park that they were already looking at bringing in oak savannas and different things of that nature. And this type of blowdown was actually beneficial to be able to help in that restoration work. Taking out some different species and bigger trees and such to be able to help restore that habitat back. Nature does recover and it takes time and maybe it's not the exact way that it was, but it will recover and come back. It's interesting on thinking about like how different Bartimaeus's life is because he's able to see and now following on the way. But what about Job? The trials and tribulations and yet through those, Job continued to search and to talk to God. Had questions like many of us do, but was still willing to work with God. Bartimaeus, there's probably lots of questions on why did Jesus stop? Was there other people around that were calling out him? But yet Jesus was able to hear him. And I think there's also something there that we need to acknowledge is Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. He is going. He has predicted his death three times. He, you would assume, anticipates what's coming and yet spends the time to stop for this man, to stop and smell the roses, to stop and appreciate someone else. Jesus says, your faith has made you well and continues on. Jesus stopped for a moment to acknowledge the restoration that was happening, knew it needed continued time, and so he continued moving forward. We have to remember that restoration and things of value take time. It isn't necessarily instantaneous. Yes, it was instantaneous for Bartimaeus, but how many days did he sit there? How many times did Bartimaeus sit there, ponder, question, how did he hear the news? Did Bartimaeus hear the news of Jesus, what was going on and what was talked about last week with his disciples and just said, what the heck? I'm going to call out as I hear that he is passing by and see if something happens. Is that how this went down? And figured maybe I'm worth the restoration. Maybe I'm worth the change. And we don't even get then what fully happens. He threw aside his cloak. He threw aside his old life to pursue something new as he was now able to be new. I think this is something reminding us that as ecosystems go through restoration, as ecosystems go through change, to enjoy the process, to not get caught up with just the end result. Too often we are in that where we get too concerned on what the finished product is and not what the process is. And I think that's something that is worth talking about and considering and pondering is enjoying the process to get there. Realizing that systemic change and major change to an ecosystem doesn't just happen. It's taking care and consideration Realizing those times where we go in and get our hands dirty and realizing the times where that's enough and we let it be. And that's a hard line to walk, but it's an important line to walk. So the Twitter question I have for you this week is, when have you had to stop and enjoy the process instead of just the product? When have you had to stop and enjoy the process instead of just the product? Because in the world in which we're in, and it ties back to last week's Twitter question so well, we get consumed with the product and not the process of getting there. So that doesn't allow us the time to ponder and think about 
Is that really what's best? Our faith should be challenging us. Our faith should be helping us grow and move forward and realizing that change is going to happen. Yes, we can do the work to try to help. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stop continuing to try to help ecosystems, but also not being upset that we're not seeing the change as quick as we want. Change takes time. And it's one of the things that we struggle with as humans. We love making big change real quick. And sometimes that's not the healthy thing to do. Sometimes we need to be able to sit back and realize and contemplate what the effect is and let nature restore itself no matter how long it takes. Be it 10 years as an aquatic or 40 plus as a forest. It's important. That's why there's so many different ways that forests and ecosystems turn over through fire, through flood, all these different processes to be able to help refresh the ground. And yes, it might be different than it was. I don't say this very often, but the church is in that moment. The church has gone through a major change right now with what's all gone on in the last year and a half. And I think we have to be able to recognize that we're in the midst of change and we don't know what the end change is going to be. But like stated in the Jeremiah text, we are the remnant of Israel. We are the remnant people and be along for the ride for the change to start happening. I don't know how long it takes for a church to restore to whatever it's going to be, but I know it takes time and we have to be patient and we have to keep working and keeping an eye on it and seeing what ways can we help and what ways do we just have to let it grow. And that's the thing that's exciting to me, and I hope it's exciting to you. It's a ride we're all on, and we know Jesus' disciples at this moment don't realize what is coming as they head to Jerusalem and don't understand what's going on when Jesus is crucified, but yet there is hope in what happens. Because of that, we have so much more because we know the end of the story. We're in this time like at the crucifixion. There's a lot of chaos and we don't know what's going on. How is this going to continue the work? How are we going to restore what we have? And look at what happened. Things changed, but they changed for the better. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>